0: Life will always bring you on a rollercoaster ride I'm navigating through each and every day and loving what is and what the future may hold My past has given me amazing memories and untold stories and at times feeling of worry and hardship which I now see as part of my life journey Remember, show up and if you fail, that's okay Tomorrow will bring a new day and new ideas I've had the privilege to spend time and interview some amazing leaders over the years As they share their stories of life and business, I find out what makes them the people they are. I'm honoured to share their stories with you. Are you being authentic and unique in everything you do? Or are you living a life that others expect of you? It's time to step up and shine, be the real you, stir that great awakening inside, and trust the process. Want to know how you can do this? Go to joedolton.ie forward slash discover.
1: On this week's show, Hamish McKenzie. Hamish helps technology companies fulfill their hidden growth potential. He does this by helping them become number one in their market, Releasing the brakes on their sales activities, making price irrelevant with unique value, and improving the personal performance of business owners and executives. Over the last 15 years, he has helped dozens of companies around the world select the strategies and tactics they need to become even more successful. If you would like to be a sponsor of Breakthrough Brands, please contact joe at jdc.ie.
0: Hamish, welcome to Breakthrough Brands. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm very good, thanks, Joe. How are you?
0: I'm great. Hamish, the reason I asked you on the show, you specialise in helping IT companies um, get their message out there and grow their business. And it's one of the things that fascinates me and the reason why, when we talk about marketing and we talk about sales, there's a lot of companies out there who focus on, you know, consultants or focus on bricks and mortar, where you're, one would say, Super niche that you actually home in on it companies and help them develop their business internationally. What led you to where you are now?
1: I was always very interested in words. I was always a, I was a compulsive reader, um, right from a very early age. I think I started reading it um, before I was four. Um, so words were, were also just always very very important to me um, and and how to you know how to use them in order to um, make yourself stand out. I guess. Uh, which is which is still what I do today in terms of how I help my clients um, and I think the technology aspect came in uh, because of my my father he was uh, he was an executive in in, in a number of different uh, software companies and and uh, he was always bringing us the latest greatest technology home with him so I don't you know if you remember but there used to be something called laser discs uh, which looked like big CDs. Uh, they were the, the the precursor of blu-ray and that kind of thing i suppose back in the uh back in the 80s i do so so he used to bring these machines home to us and he used to bring us the latest uh, gaming machines uh home to us so so yeah technology was always was always around us yeah yeah absolutely
0: yeah so and were you fascinated when you were in school and college or were you big into sport as well or was it just were you just one of these people like myself who just you know, love to read
1: um, I mean yeah the, 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 the love of reading and writing never really left me, it was always the thing that I was best at um, and uh, that, that continued right through school but I was also into sports uh, I played uh, football up until about the age of 12 and then I switched to rugby uh, and I was uh, fortunate enough to play for the county a few times um, and that continued uh, right up until I went to university when I switched to rowing uh, so I was I was always very active um, from a sporting perspective as well. I, I wasn't I wasn't what you would call a typical geek, I don't think. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I tried to keep a balance the whole time, and, and I still do. What brought you to Germany? I was working as a as a telecoms analyst for IDC. I don't know if you know them; they're the equivalent of Gartner, I guess. Um, very well known for their for their for their numbers. Um, and yeah, we were working together in London, and um, you know, one thing led to another. Um, she was from Germany. She wanted to come back. Um, and uh, I said, okay, I'm going to come with you. I was always interested in, in living somewhere else. Uh, Germany wouldn't have been my number one choice, if I'm completely honest, but, um, yeah, I said, All right, I'll come with you, and uh, that was in, actually arrived in Germany on, the, on my 30th birthday uh, in 2002, okay. and, uh, yeah, the rest, as they say, is history.
0: Yes, I as I lived in Germany for many years and going, I would have not really picked it as my first destination, but I fell in love with the country and the people are amazing. Um, one of the things that I always found amazing driving past a construction site it was never anyone working on it. And then one day it was finished and it was clean and everything was amazing. And what's the mood over there at the moment regarding Brexit and the UK?
1: I had a feeling you were going to ask me that. Um, uh, And I get asked about it a lot, obviously. Um, How can I best sum up the mood? Well, they're just confused um and astounded that the uk would 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 want to would want to come out of the union Um, they they just simply don't understand it Um, they can't see any upside for either the uk or for or for or for germany or for the you know for the other trading partners Um, so yeah I, i would say it's a mixture of of confusion amazement um and disappointment to be honest i mean they feel some people i've spoken to anyway they feel kind of um almost uh betrayed. Well, well, yeah, I, I was going to say emotionally scarred, which is a bit probably a bit of an overstatement, but yeah, they're just they feel rejected, I guess, is is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, and it's also 48% of the uh British uh population feel the same as well. <laughs> so, so. Well, yeah,
1: uh, and uh, of the people who voted, I mean, the, the, there's, I think, I think the turnout was what 60 or 70 percent somewhere, something like that. So it's 30 percent. We don't know what the hell they think.
0: A very good friend of ours, Party Daly, wrote uh, an article there on LinkedIn about why Britain can't leave <laughs> Europe. <laughs> so uh, it's a good read. But anyway, look, you've developed you through the years. You were working. You were always interested in writing and interested in the world And and you came then. A copywriter um, and a very successful copywriter and in doing so your path led you down down the road of helping IT companies and that comes from it's it's possibly and we know in the blood one thing that drives me mad is with IT companies they spend a lot of money and time developing software and internal but they're really bad at reaching out and attracting their clients Do you find that yourself, and what do you normally do to address that issue with IT companies as well?
1: Yes, I mean you're you're absolutely right. Um, The reason is quite simple: the people who tend to fund found uh, technology companies, IT, um, sorry, hardware, software, whatever it may be, um, they're usually engineers or, or. software nerds um (laughs) or um you know they're they're just focused on the technology which is fair enough because that's what their passion is um but they they usually don't have um much experience much know-how in terms of in terms of marketing in terms of how to position themselves um and uh you know this was the case 20 30 years ago when i first started my career um and to be honest in in most cases it hasn't changed a lot since Um, it's better, you know, the the, the newer companies, the cloud-based um, companies, they tend to have a better handle on it. And right from the beginning, um, they're certainly much better at focusing on, you know, what's in it for the customer rather than how great their t- technology is.
0: As you said, a lot of them come from an engineering or software background. And in doing that, let's describe the IT guy Stereotype locked in a room with six or seven other people doesn't like to be disturbed, uh, working away at programs. Perceives that everyone else feels that they need to know everything about the software that they're doing, even though it's changing at a massive rate. Uh, communication may be probably not their strongest, and uh, overworked and overstressed. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That would you're, you're,
1: be. yeah. That's that's absolutely it. Um, and and. You know the main problem they have is that they they look at everything from the inside out instead of the outside in and so what i tend to, to, to try and get them to do is to think about the outcome for the customer first um rather than you know rather than putting the software or the the product whatever it is in in the focus um and this is, is one thing it's also important to say is we're not talking just about features and benefits here you know in the old days then people used to talk about okay well this is the feature of the product and this is the benefit that that product has. Um, I like to go step one step further, and I know you do too, um, in in your work. And that's to talk about outcomes. And sometimes, though, those outcomes, um, you know, may not. That there usually is a business aspect, obviously, but there may also be an emotional outcome um, for the buyer in terms of whoever's buying that software company. So, um, software products, for example. So, if someone's buying a security software, for example, um, what they're actually worried about is protecting their business from, you know, from going to the wall overnight um, from from a, ha- a hack attack or whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, peace of mind is actually one of the things that's driving their purchase decision, um, and you need to address that in the marketing. Um, otherwise, you know, you're you're not going to be able to stand out uh, against your competitors.
0: Yeah, but the thing as well, which just jumped at me when you said that, a lot of them don't market. There's a lot of companies out there that I, you know, I could list 50, 60 of them that develop a software and they're in phase one, phase two, phase three, and they're project managing and they're in, as you said, they're internally working this, but they're not doing any marketing at all. And if you were to look at their websites or look at their social presence, you'd kind of go, what the hell is going on here? (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, I I mean, I completely agree. And, and, they people are usually, you know, a lot of the companies I work with are are, are quite um, surprised and shocked when they when they see this the the this style of, of marketing that I want them to try and embrace. Um, as I said, it's it's very much focused on on the buyer, on the outcome for them, um, and on fulfilling not just their their business need, but also their you know, making them feel something about the product. Um, And that emotional element is very, very important, even in something as, you know, potentially dull as business-to-business software.
0: No, business-to-business software is exciting. It's it's even, it's funny, just before uh, on a different show, we had a software company which specialised in accounting software. And the marketing that they're doing is unbelievable. So, you know, people need to know what you're doing. They need to be aware of what you're doing so they can buy your product. The younger generation of tech guys, are they more savvy than you and me? Saying, and I say savvy because you and me are fairly switched on because I, even though I'm in my you know, 50s or not nearly 50s, I still class myself as a millennial tinker. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a lot of people um, out there lacking that?
1: Um, I, I think I think they're certainly more switched on when it comes to you know when it comes to to the technical aspects of how to um, you know how to attract people online, you know the metrics um, how to leverage social media, this kind of you yeah. know, this kind of stuff They they're certainly more switched on um, and, and they understand that very well but the reality is um, certainly when you come when you start talking about high price, extremely complex products like for example you know security um you know threat intelligence for example um a lot of the buying decisions that are made there are still going to be through peer references so you know yeah. if i'm the owner of a, a medium-sized company i don't know 100 million uh, revenue or so and i know that i need to i need to sort out my my cybersecurity software um of course i'm gonna get, get my guys to do some online research and i'm gonna be be pulling into that be pulled into that marketing sphere of the software companies but I'm also going to be talking to my peers and if I know that one of my peers has had a great experience with uh, with a particular product with a particular company then this is going to be um, just as important in my buying decision as um, you know as as checking boxes on on a feature list you know um, so yeah I think I think the young guys they, they are potentially more savvy and certainly in the in the business to consumer space um, that side of things is uh, social media, that kind of stuff. That kind of marketing is extremely important. I think it's less so uh, in the business-to-business world. Um, so yeah,
0: yeah, it's 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 interesting because I went to a do you know the Tech Summit? Um, yeah, it's on every every year. It's in Lisbon now. It used to be in Dublin, and I remember walking into it, and there was rows and rows and rows of startups, and there was one row which was. Every business under the sun who was competing against Stripe and PayPal. And there must have been about 40, 50 of these companies. And I went, okay, so law to average, maybe one of these will will survive, if that, (laughs) or will they all? Because for me, it was, oh my God, they're competing against Stripe and they're competing against PayPal. (laughs) And my mind was going yeah no they're not no one's going to invest in them and then there was other products there that I was going oh my god that's fascinating because it's new technology it's a, you know it's innovative as well so do you find a company or a company comes to you and go look we have a great product we know this product is amazing help us sell it
1: yes absolutely uh, there's an example right at the moment i'm am he- helping a a company in the in the security space um What's happened with them is that they're actually a bit late into the market. So um, there's there's three or four companies in particular who've who've got it stolen a march on them by two or three years. Um, they're coming in a bit later, um, and the problem that they had, and I saw it as soon as I saw their their marketing, was that um, you know they're they're essentially saying the same as everybody else in the same way. There's nothing wrong with what they're doing. It's good quality. It it looks nice, you know. They've they've spent time and money on it, but it's it's. If you're coming late into the market, it's even more important to stand out.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that
1: means you need to be at at the very least, even if your product isn't that different, you need to be talking about it in a different way. You need to be telling stories. You need to be. um, You need to be have a different style you need to do something um to make people sit up and notice because otherwise um what reason have they got to to look at you when there's three or four other players who are already well established who are doing a very good job um so yeah absolutely um this this is this is exactly how i help how how i help them
0: do do you ever get to the stage when you know someone's telling you about their product and you're looking going oh my god this, this this isn't going to fly there these people are lost
1: well uh, i mean i tend i tend to uh for i've been perhaps fortunate i don't know haven't really worked with with many lost causes um and usually there's there's always something um that that you can that you can latch on to uh which they have which nobody else has um, and as i said it might not be anything particularly about their their products or their service but they might have you know, particularly interesting people working there or that the the founder might have a a particularly interesting story, you know, some story of adversity where he got turned down 10 times and then on the 11th time, you know, it all worked. Um, So... There's very rarely a situation where, where I think oh, no, it doesn't matter what I do, <laughs> there's, there's no helping these people. Um, Sometimes there, there's almost them. always something.
0: Storytelling. Do you think it's a crucial part for an IT company to have a story? That can resonate with its audience.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I'm not talking about a story necessarily about about the company, although that can be, you know, that can be an, a part of it, and it can be interesting. But it needs to be a story that's as I was talking about before, um, that's focused on the, the the outcome for the customer. Um, I'll give you a, just a very quick example, which has nothing to do with software, but I, think I always use it as a as yeah, a good, good example because it relates to me um, and my love of cars. Um, so a Ferrari. Think about a Ferrari. There is no one in history who has bought a Ferrari because of the different bits and bobs inside its V12 engine, right? Mm-hmm. And there's no one in history who's bought a Ferrari because um, it might get them to their destination um, half an hour faster because of its, you know, because it's got a higher top speed than a different car. Um, this might these. The engine is the feature the speed of it is the benefit but what they're really buying a ferrari for is because when they are sitting behind the wheel it makes them feel like michael schumacher that's the reason they're buying a ferrari and that's the emotional story that you need um the kind of emotional story that you need to build into your marketing in order for people to take notice in order in order for people to to make an emotional connection um with with your product or your service and like i said before it doesn't matter what it is it can be something as you know as, as very kind of techy and um, uh, yeah, business-like it, it, as, as security, but it, it, you have to build some kind of emotional connection in there. Otherwise, you won't stand out.
0: Yeah, because if everyone just wanted to get to A to, a to B, everybody would drive a Skoda. Tell me, do people sometimes in IT companies look at you in a funny way when you start talking strategy? and because a lot of companies out there they look at tactics and they look at tactics in such a way because they want to be busy so they think of tactic 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 and then they run it and everyone is busy and happy where strategy comes in where you need to step back and do a little bit of thinking and from there then from your strategy developing your tactics do people look at you in it and kind of go what okay this is a bit a new new age thinking for us
1: (laughs) um yeah, I mean, and th- this isn't this isn't
0: specific to IT. I don't
1: think. It's, yeah, it's, it's everything.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's
1: it's business owners in in any walk of life, and particularly or any any area of business rather, and um, particularly owners of small and medium sized businesses, because um, you know, even once you've built yourself up to I don't you know fifty, a hundred, a few hundred different, a few hundred employees, whatever, um, you're still very much or there is the tendency to, to, to be very much hands-on all the time uh, with everything. Um, and a lot of business owners I meet find it very hard to delegate and they are still very tactically oriented. Um, and one thing, and, and and they're not in control of their time. And one one of the areas that, that I focus on increasingly is helping business owners with their own personal performance. Um, and so this involves, for example, um, getting more in control of their time um, so so just one of the things i like to ask people uh, when i first meet them is how many times did you answer your phone today and the owner of a small or medium-sized business company will will, will usually say anywhere between 20 and 100 times and i tell that I, I ask them whether they realize how much time that's costing them every day and literally every time the phone rings they pick it up Whatever the, you know, every little problem that's happening in the company, they feel like they need to respond to it. Um, and this is one area where they really need to take a step back uh, and just, and I tell them, okay, for the, the, the whole week, next week, I want you to stop answering your phone. Do not answer your phone. There might be the odd exception, you know, if it's your kid or your wife or, or you know, your <laughs> yeah. main shareholder, then, then yeah. we might make an exception. But otherwise, do not answer your phone. Block an hour of time at the end of the morning or at the end of the day to return all the important phone calls that need returning. Um, and what they usually find is that by the end of the week, they've saved, saved, saved themselves about half a day um, of time. And if you add that over, up over a month, over a over a year, um, this this is a big big time saving and it's time that they can use to do exactly what you're talking about which is to sit back think about strategy and think about how to do things in a smarter way rather than just being reactive to everything that's going in on uh, going on in the business all the time
0: it's yeah it's like a great question how much time do you spend on yourself in the business and there is something that will kind of make people sit back and go oh my god and you're you're dead right owners are passionate about their business they're growing up they're they're involved in it but they have to realize that there's other people there that can do a better job and they have to be able to stand back and let those people do those to do, do the work
1: exactly they're, they're notoriously bad at delegating um and they're notoriously bad at looking after themselves a lot of time as well um you know i, I every time i'm in i'm in i'm at munich airport in the lounge you know waiting to wherever i'm going this week um i'm sitting i'm sitting there and i'm watching some of these guys and i don't know if they're if they're tech guys or not but you know they're they're probably my age roughly they look about 10 15 years older though because um you know they're 30 30 kilos overweight they're piling their their plate high at six in the morning with cake with um, you know with bacon and eggs whatever it may happen to be and they look awful and I'm thinking, you know, not only are you doing yourself a disservice, your family a disservice. What about, you know, the rest of your employees? What about your clients? How can you possibly um, be performing at your best when you're when you're not looking after yourself? Um, it's like it's like my mentor. Uh, you know, you you know him very well as well, Alan Weiss, um, who's probably one of the most. Uh, Famous consultants that one of the most successful consultants that ever lived, uh, and he calls it the oxygen mask principle. You know, you've got to look after yourself first, and once you've looked after yourself, then that's when you can um, look after your business better, look after everyone around you better, um, and really focus on on, as I said, making things work in your life and in your business uh, in a much smarter way.
0: Yeah, it's it's. I've realised exercise wise and fitness wise and mental health wise where do you want to see yourself in 10 years and you start working on that now because in 10 years time you'll have your answer
1: absolutely and you don't realize it on a day-to-day basis you think oh, okay well you know I'll skip the gym today or I'll skip my run today um, and before you know it, it's weeks and before you know it, it's months uh, and then exactly as you say you look back five ten years later look at yourself in the mirror and say hmm, that's the consequence of, of skipping all those uh, skipping all those things that I should have been doing Um and and yeah, you're just storing up problems for yourself later on. Um, and yeah. business business owners business owners are are, are particularly bad at this. <laughs> people say, you know, oh, I don't have time to you know to go to the to, to go for a walk for an hour or go to the gym for an hour. Um, and the, the point is, you cannot afford not to take that hour because if you um, if you don't take that time, then you will pay the price at some point. It's it's absolute certainty.
0: I think it's managing stress. You know, it's, yeah. just, I'm blessed that I don't. I don't get stressed, you know, I don't suffer from fear or doubt, you know, a long time ago I would have, but I'm at that stage in yes. my life that I don't, and I think that's one of the things that a lot of entrepreneurs have is the uncertainty, the stress, and oh my God, what will happen tomorrow, and it's, yeah, I think it's how you look at things.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely right, um, but the, the way, one of the ways to overcome it is to, have, is to give yourself the time. Um, to, to, to really think about stuff, um, and to and to think about better ways of doing things, um, and to take the time also to 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 decompress, to de-stress, because everybody gets stressed. I mean, you know, it, the, nobody's completely immune to it. Um, everybody has business problems, uh, personal situations, you know, it's it's just life, right? So you have to find a way of dealing with it. Um, But the the problem is that a lot of business owners in particular, and this is the same in tech as it is everywhere else, they don't take that time and and the stress just
0: builds. I wanna ask you, you spend a lot of time traveling, you know, you're in and out of airports all the time. And we talk you talk about everyone sort of gets stressed and we learn how to deal with it. Do you find the airports drain your energy?
1: <laughs> Actually, no, um, not anymore. About two years ago, uh, I took the decision to start flying business class and everywhere, and to um, start building up my air miles uh, and, and all that kind of thing. Which you know, whereas five, ten years ago, I'd have thought, "Wow, you know, why am I, why am I going to bother doing that?" Um, and then I, and then the situation every time you fly seemed to get worse and worse. The planes got more crowded. You know the fight to get your pack your bags into the overhead bins before anybody else can, um, and and just the, I found myself getting more and more stressed. Um, yeah. to, waiting twenty minutes to get off the plane when you sat at the back. Um, and since I since I started flying business class everywhere, um, my entire the entire experience has just got so much better, so much less stressful. And I arrive at my whatever meeting it is, whatever client uh, I'm meeting in a much much better state. Um, so. The answer is i used to but not anymore and i would highly recommend if people are are, are still flying everywhere economy especially long distance on business um this is a the the absolute definition of a false economy um and i cannot tell you what a difference it makes if you stop doing that
0: yeah it's even the airport lounges where you have the priority lounge i used to when i used to fly i used to love them because when you go in you escape from that whole airport because I I do when I used to fly walk into an airport and I just felt the energy in the airport and everything in there is just everyone's stressed and negative and it would drain you and you'd walk into this little oasis of the airport lounge with the comfy chairs and the, the, the tea and coffee and that alone Used to change my whole perception of flying, and then, like with with ourselves, it was just dropping backwards and forwards to England. Like the the difference between business class and normal class here is just a curtain. So, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So no, uh, it's,
1: it's it's it doesn't always make sense, but but yeah. certainly, especially in terms of just having enough uh, flyer points to, to to get into the lounges and stuff. This this makes a big oh, a big yeah, difference, at least it did to me.
0: Tell me, focusing on. Entrepreneurs and focusing on businesses, and especially let's look at startups who are developing a product. What sort of advice would you give a startup, say, who wants to launch into the marketplace and be recognised with their product?
1: Um, well, yeah, like I was saying before, stop thinking about the product.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: think about think about the customer first and the outcome that they're going to get um, at the end of having used your product or service. Um, so that's, that's the first, you, so you have to have the right starting point.
0: And what sort of tips would you give them as well if they were looking at the likes of, say, they know about their clients or their customers? What sort of marketing strategies would you say to give them a taste of what they should be doing?
1: It depends, it depends on, on what the product or service is. Um, obviously, if it's, if it's a consumer product or service, then, then they need to be very much involved in, in social media, um, if it's a business to product product, business to business product rather, that's that's less important. Um, one of the most important aspects, certainly as far as online marketing is concerned, um, nowadays is video. You need to be using video more and more and more. Um, people, especially if your buyer is, uh, is, a, is a C-level type person uh, or, you know, senior executive, they have less and less time or are prepared to spend less and less time reading long documents but what they will do is watch a short video or listen to a podcast um, especially you know a bit like bit like your show uh, in a po- podcastized version if i can put it like that yeah. and so so that kind of Stuff which they can listen to as they're getting on a plane, as they're driving to a meeting. Um, marketing that way um, is is extremely important. And the other thing which is extremely important is um, is peer marketing. So you need to make sure that you're marketing not only to, to your ideal customer, but all the people that they might be hanging out with um, in a business in a business context, um, and making sure you are where they are, the right events. The right online media, the right physical media, if they if they still use that, um, so yeah, an understanding of of where your ideal buyers are hanging out um, from a from a information perspective is absolutely vital.
0: It's interesting. Going back maybe seven was it been seven years ago uh, when I was involved in a uh, multimedia company, and still connected with them, and we were telling people at the time. Video is video is what's coming. Uh, you know, a picture paints a thousand words. A video is a million. But what we were pushing with people was: say you're trying to, you're having a meeting with a, an executive or a CEO of a company, and you're sitting in reception, and he knows you're there, but he hasn't done his homework. So if you have a video for them to show, he can actually watch that one minute, two minute video, get a scope on your business, so he's more informed when he's meeting you then in in, in the boardroom.
1: Yeah, and they they're already. You, you already have at least that as a, as a, a point of familiarity, if you like. Um, so, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more.
0: And there's two types of videos as well. One is which I call the rustic video. Um, and that is where you're just grabbing your phone. But I do believe that large companies, they should spend a bit of money on a high quality end video as well to get that message out there. Especially if they're selling software for hundreds of thousands, it, it'll represent the business as well.
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. There's a place for both. Even for the biggest companies, I, I did, you know, in the past, I've done a lot of work for companies like Oracle, um, and and they do both. You know, they do they do um, the the very highly polished, very expensive uh, videos that you know there could be a Hollywood uh, blockbuster. But they also have um, you know on the couch interviews with uh, you know with with key executives on a particular topic. Um, one of the most important things there, of course, is to make sure that whoever you're putting on the video. Is someone who is comfortable um, in that environment. So yeah. the worst thing you can possibly do is put an engineer up there who hates speaking in public, um, who maybe doesn't have the you know stereotypically doesn't doesn't have the best uh, style in the world. Um, you need to get people on video who who really know how to use the medium and who are really comfortable talking um, on the camera. Just as like just as, as you you and I are now, the important thing is, especially for startups like you're talking about before, it's not it's not expensive anymore. Um, you know, you don't have to be spending 20, 30 grand every time you want to produce a video. Um, you can get it done for for a fraction of that, yeah, and in yeah. and in good enough quality.
0: Yeah, it's like you. It was the days when it was you know fifteen twenty thousand to do a video and, and a high quality end video now, from maybe about three and a half four grand. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah, which is is well watered. Tell me. What's the future for you? That's a very good question. Well, I'm going to be staying in
1: Germany, uh, at least as far as I know. Um, I'm, I'm very happy here, so uh, I won't be moving anywhere. I'm going to continue to work uh, increasingly internationally. I just got my first client in, in Asia this year, um, looking to try and get some a few more in, in North America as well. So definitely staying uh, international, working internationally, traveling a lot. And... Um, And uh, I think like we were talking about before, the small, my, my um, ideal, target um, audience or the, the people I enjoy working with the most tends to be small and medium sized companies because because uh, simply they, they are the ones that need the most help um, because they they don't necessarily have uh, all the resources in-house that they need. Um, and I'm, I want to start helping business owners uh, um, a lot more on the personal performance side, like I was talking about before. So yes, I can help them with a lot of their business challenges, but they can help themselves uh, a lot more in terms of Achieving more, growing faster. If they change some things about their personal behaviour, and um, personal habits. I um, like exercise. Like um, the way they think about problems. Um, like de-stressing, as we were talking about before. So I'm definitely going to start focusing on that a lot more in the future. Because as I say, every time I, every time I go to the airport, I just see so many people who look so miserable. Yes. Um, and who who are just not. Not, and obviously not in, in good physical shape. Um, and if they were just prepared to make a few changes in their lifestyles, they would see what an enormous impact that can have. Uh, so that's definitely something I want to spend more time on in the future.
0: Yes, I was once one of them. And then, as you know, I lived a life that I love. I lived a life that I love. What do you define as success? Wish, there's a curveball for you. <laughs> uh, well,
1: actually, actually, that's very easy because uh, I've 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 taken on the the definition that um, well, okay, it's not a definition of success, but it's a definition of wealth. Um, and this also comes from from Alan Weiss, as I was talking about earlier. He defines the definition of wealth as discretionary time. So basically, being able to do what you want to do when you want to do it, um, at, you know, at the time you want to do it regardless of what time of year what time of the week it is um so control over your time is the definite is the definition of wealth as far as i'm concerned and that obviously wealth is is a, is a big part of of success and if you can do that it, it just removes so much um of the of the day-to-day stress that most people feel um you know the average employee is knows that they have to be going to a certain place at a certain time um and if they don't if they aren't there if they don't do something by a specific um, uh, deadline or whatever, then then they're going to get into trouble. And just having that freedom to control um, your work, how you want to do things, um, this is this is for me the ultimate success.
0: Yes, it's um, time is the only thing that we don't have enough of. It's limited. Yeah, I'm blessed that I love everything that I do uh, and choose the times that I want to work and when I don't want to work. Which is great. Yeah, and, the,
1: uh, and the sad thing is, you're 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 a very exceptional case, Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most most people, even even business owners with with very successful businesses. Um, I remember what another colleague. Um, um, one of the things he asked one of his clients recently was, uh, you know, he wasn't really getting anywhere. They were discussing a few things, but nothing was really was was really happening. And he and he just said at the end of the conversation, he said he looked at his client. He said, "Are you having fun?" <laughs> and and. And, and that was the start of an entirely different conversation. Yeah. Uh, and they went on to talk about a whole lot of different things. And, and and this colleague then started working with the with the client in a completely different way because he was running this, the client was running this successful business, but he was not having a minute of fun. He, he was actually, you know, waking up dreading going into work. And he was, you know, he was the big boss. He was the owner. He was the successful guy with the cars and the money and all the rest of it. Um, but he was having zero fun. Um, and this i think is going to become a big big trend in the in the future yeah. is people focusing more on on actually enjoying what they're doing
0: yeah that, and, and not just
1: not just uh, going through the motions
0: but that's even where we spoke before you know starting off with your values what are your values and you know understanding what your own values are and then sort of building everything around them yeah absolutely best business advice you've ever received um, the
1: best business advice I've I've ever received um, is really to do just to, to be yourself. Um, that's actually something you've you've always uh, talked about um, since we met, Joe. Is, is to be yourself and and not to try and be someone you're not. Yeah. Um, whatever whatever walker you know, whatever area of business you're in, and and really you have to be doing something that you're believing in. Um, if you don't believe yourself in in your own product, in your own service, then how can you expect anybody else to? Um, so that's that's been very very important for me.
0: True, true. Best business book that you would recommend for people to read? Um, okay, well, well, <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you two answers to that, if I may, if I may.
1: Um, so the first one is really anything by Alan Weiss. Um, I mean, his books, he's written over 60 books, and and a lot of them are oriented towards. Um, consulting, whether that's uh, you know independent consulting like I do, or or consultants within businesses, um, but he doesn't just write about that. He writes about um, and even when he does, a lot of what he writes about is is very relevant to to anybody who is an is of an entrepreneurial mindset, anybody who runs their own business. Um, I mean, I can name one, which is Million Dollar Consulting. Um, yeah, it's a brilliant
0: book. <laughs>
1: any, any, anything you read by him is is going to be uh, worth worth your time. Yes. Um, and then the second one is um, is more of a an academic one, which is called um, The Capital- Capitalist Philosophers by Andrea Gabor, and this is a really a history of management, um, the development of management over the last 150 years, and and how it's changed. Um, and that's very, very informative in terms of um, seeing how management styles have progressed uh, and can definitely help inform your own management style as a business owner. So those are the those are the two I, I would pick off the top of my head.
0: Tell me, something just sprung up there in my mind and I'm sure there's a lot of people will ask you because we, we spoke there in the beginning about copywriting and then we went into the marketing. What do you feel in your opinion is if an IT company or a company is out there and they're looking to write some inspiring copy to enhance people to draw them to the business what tips would you give them?
1: I would first say have a very very wide variety of of types of content from which I mean you know video documents um, podcasts whatever but also in terms of the style so you're a technology company. Some of what you do, some of some of what you write, needs to be technical. Obviously, you need to, but you need to appeal to to the technical guys. You need to appeal to the business guys as well. And and when you're trying to appeal to the guy who's actually going to sign the check, um, you need to be focused on what's in it for them from a financial perspective. But you also need to be focused on them in terms of how it's going to help them personally in their career, in building their business in the future. Um, and try and build whenever possible. Try and start off with a story, um, which may have nothing to do with your product or service, rather than launching straight in to the technical uh, features of whatever it is you're offering. Which is what 99% of your competitors will do. Um, and if you have managed to avoid doing that and focus on a much more emotional storytelling approach, um, then you're gonna—it's going to help you stand out. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's what I would really try and emphasize.
0: Hamish, where can people locate you? Give us your details there if people want to reach you on your website or on LinkedIn. Give us- yeah, but, yeah,
1: very simple. Um, just go to hamishmackenzie.com, which is H-A-M-I-S-H-M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E.com. Uh, you'll find all the stuff you need to know there um, and just look, look my name up in, in LinkedIn uh, with Munich and there's only one of me in Munich as far as I know. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, very easy to find And uh, yeah, I'd be delighted to 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 talk to anyone about the the kind of things we've been talking about
0: today. Brilliant. What song would you like us to play out with?
1: Um, if you could play something by Eminem, that would be fantastic.
0: Hamish hey, McKenzie, thank you for coming on to Two Brands.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I'll be track-